Good morning. Uh, my name is Pierre, for anyone who's new here today, and it's my delight to share the Word of God with you this morning. I am expectant, as the Lord has set us up already with so much. Uh, we're going to look at the life of David and study one of his psalms today. And I thought about David. We, when you think about David, the first thing that comes to mind is probably a musician. But you know what? The only thing we have of David is the words that he written about God. And this morning, I pray as we study the word of God, that that would stir worship in us that is, is unmatched, that is not blocked in any way, that is living waters that flow out of us. Oh, my soul, Psalm 103, oh, my soul is a, a statement that maybe uh, the hipsters and I just nearly hit that category. I'm a senior hipster, which is cool. Um, so use quite, just quite a lot. It's like, oh, my soul, you should have seen. Oh, my soul, I couldn't believe this. Um, and they think they're original. Like, we come up with a statement. It's like, oh, my hat. The hipsters kind of think they're original with a statement. Oh, my soul, maybe the older generation as well before that. Well, nothing is new. And most of the things that we think is original, you can actually find in the Word of God already. And David claimed this statement. He's the first one, maybe Job, we'll go and discover that this morning. I don't know exactly the timeline of all of this. Although two people do think that Job's stories are one of the first to ever happen. But he claimed this statement, oh my soul. And he connected it with something profound. And it's the worship of God. The, the praise of an almighty that nothing can match. We sang it this morning. Who can answer the almighty? Who can match him in his might? And uh, I'm gonna read the first two verses to set us up. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Such a strong encouragement, all that is within us, our entire being, everything that we are, all the energy, excitement, desire, passion, we will bless God. And then he says, and keep reminding your souls of his benefits. I want to encourage you. I don't know what you think of when you think of God. Maybe you were brought up and you still think that God is sitting in heaven angry at you because of things you've done. Maybe you feel like that this morning. God is angry with you. Maybe you don't have a revelation that he's a loving father who actually wants and has broken through barriers to get to your heart and say, you know what, I deeply love you. And David had this revelation. And my prayer is that we will have this revelation this morning as we study the word. And here's the encouragement. This week we picked up some Seattle coffee, best coffee. We, we, we had our taste, our first sip, and I said, I'm sure with this coffee you can have communion. Because I was like, just a sip, I'm like, oh my soul, this is amazing. At seven o'clock in the morning when it's icy cold and you have that sip of Seattle, you're like, mm, Lord Jesus, you're amazing. That was our response. And what happened is we drove down to Beach Road to take 30 minutes walk uh, next to the ocean. And we were walking on, on, the, on the, the roadside next to where all the cars were. So it's morning traffic. Everyone wants to get to work and it's quite frantic and loud and noisy. And the next moment I told Eugene, you know what, let's just move 50 meters and go walk on the beach. And we're like, yeah, that's a good idea. So we go on the beach and a 50 meter shift changed the whole environment. There was the water running 
And the two of us had a moment where just like, we, we just deeply breathed and we looked at our surrounds and it was a whole different environment, just 50 meters. So position yourself 50 meters closer. Just let your soul move a little bit closer to God. We've had incredible moments already this morning, but you can keep drawing near. And you know what God does when we do? He runs and he meets us. He says, when you draw near to me, I will come and I will draw near to you. So let's use this encouragement this morning and let this song help you just position yourself a little closer so that when we study this psalm together, we get the full benefit. For all your goodness is like a well running over. Not a well that you need to drop down a bucket and try really hard to get some water out on a day that it's scorching hot and it's hard work. The goodness of God is like a well running over. And my prayer is this morning that we get this revelation. I want you to, to enjoy the word with me. I don't want you to just quietly sit and I want the yes and the amens. We've had the gospel song. Now we need to just get it in us to just get some yes and amens. Can we do that? Everyone give me a massive yes, yes. and an amen. amen. <laughs> you know what I love about Psalm 103 is David celebrates a person, not a thought or an idea or an action. He celebrates a person, a very real God who is completely involved in our lives. I want to teach you something about your Bible that you might not know. But every time the word Lord is in capital letters in the Bible, it is the substitute for when they used the word Yahweh or the name Yahweh, the actual name of God. And in the, and in the Old Testament, 6,800 times when they speak to God, they use his actual name Yahweh. And only 2,000 times they use the word Elohim, which means God. So David in this whole psalm is speaking to a person. He's speaking to a father, to a good God who's, who's overrunning with goodness into David's life. He's not speaking of the concept of a generic God. He's speaking to a personal, very personal God called Yahweh. The one who introduced himself to humankind as I am who I say I am. Just think about that. The more you think about that statement, I am who I say I am, the more excited you get. Saying, I, ex I exist. I've always existed. And I am who I say I am. So everything you read about me, you don't have to ever doubt. I'm revealing myself to you. And I don't change. Yesterday, today, forever, I'm exactly the same. This is the God whose goodness is ready to well over in your life. And you see, we have a choice in the middle here whether we embrace it or live without it. And Psalm 103 clearly paints the picture that David had a revelation of what it means to live in the goodness of God. We don't know the scenario. He might have written this psalm right after God rebuked him for his sin. He might have written the psalm in a moment where Israel was in war. And the enemies were lurking and running to kill them. Maybe he wrote it when he stood in front of Goliath. In his heart, it came up. Maybe he was really in a good place in his walk with God in that moment, shepherd boy in nature, just sensing the goodness of God, quieting his soul, thinking about God. We don't know his context, but I wanna tell you something this morning. Regardless of your context today, 
in your circumstances, God is the same. And this is his word. And it's true and readily available for all of us. Scholars over the years have, have, have thought about this concept of the attributes or the benefits of God. David encourages us and says, do not forget it. And some scholars believe there's seven big attributes. Some believe there's more. You know what I love about this psalm? Is David isn't counting, he's worshiping. It's like, who needs to count? It's the infinite God. I'm not gonna try and limit him and say, yeah, he's good and he's just and maybe a few others. He just, it's, it's like a well running over in David when he tries and, and describe this God. And I think that at some point he was at a loss for words and, and he, just, he, just, he just came out. David is very meticulous in his poetry. When you study the Psalms of David and his psalmody, his singing of those Psalms, he was a prolific writer. And it's amazing if you think about it. I don't know if he was schooled in writing. I believe it's the Spirit of God and his worship and revelation of God had made him as prolific as he was. He was a shepherd boy sitting in the field and he writes these poems that are just meticulously perfect. And if you were Hebrew and you were to read it in Hebrew, you're just like, goodness, this is some good poetry. We've got the English version this morning, but there's three things that he reveals in his, his poetry that he wants to bring across in this song, Psalm 103, and it's the acts of God, the character of God, and the infinitude of God. He was very thoughtful. He says, what do I want to leave that'll cause the soul of the human to burst out in song. He says, you know what? First of all, there's a God who's acting and working. And you know what? Let me explain to you a little bit of his character. And so much of the character that he's explaining is the things that we now understand post the cross, now that we've met Jesus and the full revelation has come. But he had such an encounter with God that God showed him these things of his steadfast love and his grace and his mercy and how he covers our sins even before the cross. And then the infinitude that God is not boxed, that we as humans are very boxed <laughs> um, in, our, in our limitations. And he even says, you like grass. You just, one day you're here and you're gone. Just gone. God just keeps existing. So I'm gonna read this psalm in those three categories this morning as we continue to read it. The first body describes the acts of God. Now remember, he just said, Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and all that is within me, and forget not his benefits. And he starts listing the acts of God. Who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good, so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed, and he made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the people of Israel. God is always at work. He's continuously, actively at work on behalf of us. Isaiah 64 verse four says it like this, from of old no ear has heard or perceived by ear, no eye has seen a God besides you, Yahweh, the person, the I am God, and this is what he does, who acts for those who wait for him. 
that in itself is reason for me to just say, let's pause and sing that there's a God who's acting on our behalf. He's, he's working. He's currently in this moment working in your heart through his spirit. And at the same time, he is, he's working in our heart through the spirit of, of himself in billions of people's lives. Yes. Can we get that revelation this morning? He works righteousness. He works justice. He's constantly at work. And then David starts moving into the character. Now, now that I told you that there's, there's God and he's personal and I call him by name and he's busy working, this is the character with which he works. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, pause, slow to anger. I believe some of you need to get the revelation today that because of the cross of Christ, the anger of God and the wrath of God is absorbed in that. And you should start lifting your head and not walk around in the shame and the guilt that the enemy is putting on your backs and saying that he is angry. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, a well running over. He will not always chide, nor will he keep his anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. Whew, if we had to be dealt with according to what we do, there's no hope. It's, it's gone. <laughs> and here David has this revelation before the cross. Because God revealed his heart, a well running over for us as humans. Saying, I don't deal with you according to your sin. Or repay you. As far as the east is from the west, he removes it. Let's continue. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love towards those who fear him. Pause for a minute. When David wrote this, I don't think he just imagined earth and atmosphere. He didn't know NASA didn't exist. There was no like 80 kilometers vibe. So he didn't limit it. He was looking up into the, and gazing into the universe, the endless galaxies. And he's saying, I can't describe this. And it seems to, to keep on moving. And it's different some nights to others. And, but Lord, this, this, this gap, that's kind of how you are towards me, with your love. <laughs> it's beautiful. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. I love what Carol said last week. Why do we keep reminding God when he forgot and he removed our sins from us? As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. For he knows our frame and he remembers that we are dust. He knows that we are weak and frail. He knows we are made of dust. Our frame, our, the way we were built and put together is fragile. He knows it. So therefore he works with character of compassion. He gently comes and, and he woos us and he, and he spends time with us and he reaches out and he loves upon us and we make a mistake and, and there's a moment of anger and we say, God, we're sorry. And he says, my anger is gone because you turn back to me. I'm full of compassion I understand when you are sick and you're not feeling like you can face the day. I know your frame is timid. And I'm a father who loves you. 
And, and I'm, I'm right here with you in this moment. This is what David's describing. Not just a thought or an idea. You know, well, God is good and he's out there. A very close and intimate person, which you can call Father. I love how God is speaking to us about this as a house. Just the Father heart. He just, he loves us. He's a well running over for us. And then thirdly, David moves into the infinitude of God, the endless, undescribing, indescribable, matchless, you can't name it, you can't number it, existence of God. He says, as for man, his days are like grass. He flourishes like a flower of the field. The wind passes over it and it's gone. If you live in Gordon's Bay, that's the southeaster. The wind passes over it and it's gone. You can't plant roses in Gordon's Bay. We've tried. And its place knows it no more. Our lives are like this. But he reminds his soul, the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting. Generation upon generation. Outside of time and space, it's always been in the words, I am who I say I am, in that existed his steadfast love all along. And it never stops. It never ends. Even though our lives come to an end. On those who fear him and his righteousness to children's children. God's righteousness is readily available to us and all the generations to come. To those who keep his covenant, remember the word covenant, and remember to do his commandments. You see, there's some conditions here. It doesn't start with the conditions. David doesn't start the psalm and say, you know what? Keep his commandments and the covenant and then now bless his soul. He starts with a revelation of how amazing God is. And then halfway through he says, because he is so good and compassionate and so steadfast towards us, sure, then I would love to keep his commandments. Then I want to walk in this covenant because it's a well running over. It's what Ant said this morning is the world doesn't get this. They think we lose out. I'm like, it's the other way around. If you have an encounter with God, yes, Nothing beats it. And then you're like, God, I want to do what you ask me to do. Because I just love you. And in that is life. Everything else leads me to brokenness. This leads to life. And I choose life. Amen. Someone said, preach it. That's a new one. <laughs> yes, amen, preach it. And then he describes God beyond our humanity. He says, bless the Lord Oh, you, his angels, you mighty ones who do his word, obeying the voice of his word. Bless the Lord, all his hosts, his ministers who do his will. He's speaking about the spiritual world, the spiritual realm, which we cannot see. He says, in that, bless, it's almost like he's commanding them, saying, come on, bless God. He's so great. And then he ends, bless the Lord, all his works in all places of his dominion. The acts of God, the character of God, and then he ends with this God who exists in this throne that is outside of the world and the limitations of man. And I want to say this to you this morning. Your soul, your call. David had a choice to make in the beginning. He commands his soul. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. And here's the key to today, the message that I'm sharing. You, you choose. God's not enforcing it on you. 
you're going to choose this morning, and as we, we study the word and as we're going to sing again, what you tell your soul to do. You make the decision. It's your call. You know what? God isn't, he doesn't make us vegetables that we just stand and then he comes upon us and we just go, and we do stuff and then he gave us free will. He gave us the ability to think and to act in accordance to what we, we understand and feel. And sometimes we get this wrong. We think, no, 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 he just, when the spirit of God comes upon us, we just, we lose control. No, you have complete control. And you've got complete control over your soul. And you can choose this morning to say, I'm gonna bless this father who's full of compassion and whose well is running over. Well, I'm gonna, you know what? Nah, not interested. You might be in soul poverty this morning. I wanna remind you what we preached a couple of months ago. Blessed are those who are poor in spirit. Poor in spirit meaning soul poverty. You might not feel the excitement that I'm preaching with today because your soul is in poverty. God understands it and Jesus understands it. He said, in fact, I call you blessed for yours is the kingdom of heaven. So, okay, God, you're saying that even if I don't feel like this, you think I'm blessed? Yes, because you get to make a choice. And you get, you get to hear this morning that don't you fear you of little flock for the Father wills to give you the kingdom. This is what the call is to each one of us. A constant conscious of God's presence moves the soul from fear to faith, from anxiety to rest, from despair to hope, from death to life, from depression to delight. 15 minutes in our souls expressing praise to God does stuff inside of us that hours of counseling cannot. And I'm not saying counseling is wrong. But boy, if we get this, that we can spend time and delighting in God daily, our lives will look radically different. And so much of what we need would just fall away. Like, I don't need it. I've got God. And his well is running over in my life. And yes, I'm on the narrow, narrow road and sometimes it gets hard. But there's roads of refreshing. Psalm 23, he leads us in paths of righteousness. He works us. He's rotten his staff. He does comfort us and discipline us. And sometimes his heart's but he also re leads us to places of rest. This is the God that we serve. Helena and I had a discussion when we went to the Coldplay concert years back um, when they were in Cape Town Stadium, and it was a good concert. We were, we were blessed uh, with, with tickets for the Golden Circle, and it was great. And people sang, and it was a joy, and the lights, and the, the music, and the artistry, and the music. You just, ah, it's incredible. And then, then it was over. <laughs> and you saw a whole lot of just beer bottles or the things they use in the stadium. And Yelena said, now what? Now it's, now it's done. We've, got, we've had a great time, but these people leave empty. There's nothing after this. Maybe if you had a couple of good beers, you, your party continues until the next morning when the hangover hits. And he realized, but... It's what the world constantly does. It creates these spaces where we just have a moment. That moment never ends with God. That moment of glory and delight is always available. And we, we felt empty after that. We're like, all these people leave and, and we still want to sing, but not because Coldplay is that good, but just we have a God that we love and we want to pour out our praises to him. I finally 
submitted to my wife by watching a musical last night. <laughs> so, listen, it's weird. People are stuck in traffic and they get out of the cars and they start dancing and singing. I'm like, what is this? <laughs> I don't do musicals, just, but here's the confession this morning. The greatest showman is pretty great. <laughs> and I really enjoyed it. <laughs> so thanks to my sister and her children and Helena Nalika last night was the moment to watch The Greatest Showman. And it was pretty good. But afterwards, we watched this little YouTube video with Hugh Jackman. He had, he had cancer in his nose that they had to cut out during the rehearsal times. And his doctor said, listen up, buddy, you can't go to these rehearsals and sing because this needs to heal. So he attends these rehearsals and and he just, he's very good and he stands back because his nose needs to heal. And, but he's there, he's present and he acts, but he doesn't sing. It's like, I can't sing because of my nose. And this little YouTube clip, they're singing a song. I think the song was called Come Back Home. And they're singing this song. And the next moment, he just can't help himself. He just, he starts singing it and it becomes church. These people all just start singing together and they, they kind of went into what we call free flow worship. They just, the song never ended. And he started, just, and then eventually he just, out of his soul, he just he sang it and he felt it. And that's the kind of passion we can have and have in God at all times. That even though we don't feel like and like, whoa, 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 whoa. We, we can't because there's some stuff, you know. <laughs> I'm gonna sing. It's okay. I'm gonna sing. Because it's in my soul. Go and watch that video clip and be inspired by it. Frederick Faber, one of the the fathers of, of him writing said this, only to sit and think of God, oh, what a joy it is. To think the thought, to breathe the name, earth has no higher bliss. And personally, I, I, I honestly believe this. I can have the best food, the best experience, the best holiday, but what satisfies me most is to sit and be with God. Sometimes to just think, not even say anything. Our culture is not accustomed to it anymore. It's the next thing, the next moment. What's up next? Where do we go next? What do we eat next? What do we post next? But David encourages us here and he says, hey, just think of God a bit. Let your soul think of him. You know, God delights in breaking every barrier to get to us. He's done it. So can we just put some barriers away and move 50 meters to just think of him for a bit and experience that bliss? There's an old song. He's as close as the mention of his name. I've got the backtrack. Elena's gonna sing it quickly. No, I'm joking. <laughs> so three, three things. And, and so three, three things that he describes is the acts of God and the character and the infinitude of God. But there are three words that kind of repeat itself in Psalm 103. And I quickly wanna look at them. The first word is this word bless. In the Hebrew, it's the word barak. And it means to kneel, to abundantly bless in adoration. It's not a, a limited like, <clears throat> okay, I'm gonna try. It's to kneel and to just abundantly, your well running over in adoration of God. 
So when we say, bless the Lord on my soul, the invitation is to, to come with everything, all that is within us, to kneel before the Almighty and just abundantly bless Him for who He is. And this is what David's doing. I don't know how he wrote this. Maybe he, he was in that moment on his knees, just in the presence of God and abundantly blessing, and he had a pen and he just wrote the first line and he might have been undone for a bit and he writes the second line. I wish to be there and to just experience how the psalm came to be. And this is a message for us men. We can get a little bit more expressive in our worship of God. Nothing wrong with it. Don't care what the previous generations has taught us of Kenyo Black and like Amanas. If you get who God is and what he is, it's just gonna, it's gonna well out and you will kneel and abundantly pour out your praises to him. So that's what it means to bless him. It's not just, oh, bless the Lord. Oh, bless you. It's a deep word filled with action. You see, God act and he acted and he's acting and now we get to respond with our action. So let's bless and abundantly pour out his praise. The second thing, second thought that comes, or word that is mostly used in the psalm is the word soul. The Hebrew is nefesh, which means your inner person, your desire, your passion, your appetite, and your emotion. So bless the Lord, abundantly pour it out, kneel before him. How do you do it? With all of your desire and all of your appetite and all of your emotion and all of your expression and that inner person, the spirit worshiping God, the spirit, just pour it out. That's the invitation of Psalm 103. What would it look like if all of us lived like that every day in this world? Sheesh, people think we are a little bit twisted and weird. But I'm just like, hallelujah, we are living the life that a God has for us and his well is running over. And I'm not gonna make that running over stop in my life. See, it's pouring out. We can open up the floodgates and let it run or we can say, nah, Bless the Lord with your entire soul, all your emotions, all your feelings, with your appetite, your desire, I want to look at four examples quickly of people who's done that this over the years. I'm going to start in the Old Testament. I'm going to bring it right back to here, hopefully. Job 1.21, everything is gone. His children, is, they're dead. What he's worked for for years, he lost. It's gone. The enemy took it, and God allowed it. What would we do in a moment like that? Verse 21 in the first chapter of the book of Job. Naked I came into this world and naked I go. But the Lord, Yahweh, a person, not a thought, he gave and he took away. Blessed be his name. I'm gonna barak, bow before him and pour out abundantly because he is Yahweh. Even though I lose everything, because my delight is completely in him. Verse 22, and in all this, Job did not sin or charge God with any wrong. Whew. He had a revelation like David did of this well running over for him. He says, God, even if I lose the whole world, 
and everything that I've worked for so hard, I still have you. And it's enough to say, I'll bless your name. Move it forward, Paul and Silas, if you know me for longer than a year, it's one of my favorite scriptures. They're in prison, beaten up, in a prison, bleeding, naked, and not just beaten up like, hey, Scorpslan, beaten up brutally to the point of death. And they're lying there and they say, our souls are gonna barack. We're gonna pour out praise to God because he's still deserving. If I get beaten up by someone, I'll probably have a few scoffle words to use and then move on and then have a day or two like, why did the Lord not protect me? Well, I don't know. These, you know these questions we ask. Can we barack in these moments like Paul and Silas? I wanna move it even closer. I wanna read you a quick, quick story for a guy called John Denley. It's from the Fox's Book of Martyrs. John Denley lived in England in 1555. One day, on the way to visit some friends, John Denley was stopped and searched by the authorities who found his written confession of faith. Denley believed the church was built upon the apostle and prophets which Christ, with Christ as the head. That's what we believe here. And at the present church, the Church of England was not part of this true church. In his time, many of its teachings were not according to the Bible. For this, he was turned over to a local government official who turned him over to the bishop for questioning. Denley would not back down from his statement of faith, so he was condemned to die and turned over to the sheriff. Within six weeks, he was sent to the stake to be burned. When they lit the wood beneath him, Denley showed no fear. He cheerfully sang a psalm as the flames rose around him. Gets better. One of his tormentors picked up a piece of wood and they threw him with it, hitting him in the face. Imagine. The tormentor hoped to anger or silence Denley's singing, but Denley only responded, truly, you have spoiled a good old song. <laughs> he's getting burnt. He's getting thrown in the face. And he still has a sense of humor. Only God does that. Then he spread his arms again and he continued singing until he died. Job, Paul and Silas, John Denley, we've got these examples. And I want to bring it home to something personal. One of our mission trips into India, we drove very far to one of these village churches and the church was, we got there and, and the, the light on the people's faces that we are there and came so far is unmatched. The joy, you have not seen that. I, I wonder what it would look like if we all walk in here without the light on a Sunday morning. Just, ah, the people of God is here. We're gonna have a great time. It's just, it was overflowing and they were extremely poor. They gathered as much as they possibly can to cook us a meal. And they couldn't wait to give that meal to us because the people of God has come to visit us. And I was standing in this building that was half built and overgrown and it's kind of grimy and not great. I mean, sometimes I, I feel spoiled for just having this. If you compare it to what these people have, there's, there's no walls, there's no windows, it's just a roof and they, they gather and there's joy and there's delight. 
And the next moment, these people start worshiping. But it's a deep worship that I haven't experienced. They don't, they've got nothing. But their souls are singing. And here I am, typical Westerner. I take out my device that could probably pay for a month's worth of food for that whole community. And I start taking pictures because I want to capture this moment. Yes, and the Spirit of God came and said, Pierre, you want to capture this with a device that can pay for their food for a whole month? How small have you become in your, in your understanding of my majesty and my greatness? Have you become so accustomed to your culture, you just flick out a phone and try and take a picture of a lady in deep worship who's got nothing but she's got God? That's what it means when our souls, our inner being, blesses him to live like that so whether you job this morning or you feel like someone in that village you don't have much your soul your call you can decide this morning how you're going to respond david said there's nothing on earth i desire besides you the soul who blesses god deeply is supremely satisfied in him who is supremely satisfying I'm going to say that again. The soul who blesses God deeply is supremely satisfied in him who is supremely satisfying. All other satisfactions in his world is temporary. But David had a revelation of a satisfaction that never ends. And in the last word, and this is going to hopefully hit you as hard as it hit me, is the word steadfast love. Sheked, which means covenant loyalty. Kind, merciful, and good favor. What does this say? It's simple. God decided to come into covenant with man. Genesis 15. He's already called Abram and met him once before, but now he steps into Abram and says, Abram, I am your shield and your reward. God, the person... I am that to you. And I'm gonna, on my behalf, make a covenant with you today that I'm forever gonna be loyal to you. Isn't that amazing? That whatever you go through, God is still in covenant and willing to be in covenant with you. And he remains loyal. That's what steadfast love means in the original. Doesn't matter where you've come from, what you've done, what your acts have been, what your faith moments have been, where your despair has been or your depression or your moments of, I can't do this. He rocks up every time and says, my covenant loyalty is steadfast. This is the God that David describes in Psalm 103. Yes, it makes me wanna just sing for the rest of this day. Cancel all my plans. Who cares about the tennis and the soccer? I want to be in the presence of God for hours and just sing. I just want to go to the mountains like David and just enjoy him. Just to sit and think of him. There's no higher bliss. There's nothing that satisfies more. And David had that revelation and it's available to us today. Covenant royalty. The infinite almighty God crowns you with covenant loyalty. That's what David says. He comes to you and he says, Eugene, I'm gonna put a crown on your head. 
It's my loyalty to you. So walk around with that crown. Show the world. We spoke about this a couple of weeks ago. We are crowned with royalty as sons and daughters of a father who's the king of kings and the lord of lords. And because of his covenant, nothing we've done, he just comes and he does it again and again and again and again. So bless the Lord, oh my soul, and all that is within me. He acts, his character is good, there's nothing like it. He's infinite, so I'm gonna pour out abundantly. I'm gonna shout it out and give him my best with all my emotions, with all my appetite, with all my desire, because he crowned with the loyalty that he put in place. Isn't that amazing? And this is my last exhortation to you. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Make the call now for the next few minutes to say, I might be Job, I might be Paul and Silas, feel like I'm in a prison. I might be like John Denley, it feels like the world wants to take me out. I might be like the Indian community, it doesn't have much, and sometimes it bothers me that I don't have enough. But it's my soul, and I'm going to make the call today to say, God, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to barack. 